Hello, welcome to another episode of Just Cuz, the podcast where two cousins talk about things they love. Just Cuz. Today, we are going to be discussing Good Omens Season 2, and probably also a little bit of Season 1, yeah. but mostly Season 2, because it's brand new. We're going to need to go back a bit and talk about the context of what happens in Season 2, but we are going to be going full spoiler all six episodes of Season 2. Full spoilers. If you have not seen Good Omens 2... Why the fuck are you listening to us? Go back, watch it, and then come back to us. And if you're thinking, I've watched the first couple episodes of season two, I, I get the idea, I can listen to a full spoiler discussion. No, you cannot watch all six episodes. Mm -hmm. Very true, very true. And before we kind of get started on our actual review and our deep dives, I do want to say that we're going to get not necessarily into our own opinions and views about religion, but we are going to talk about the existence of this fictional god and what that means for this fictional narrative. Mm -hmm. And if you don't like that, and I would suggest turning off and joining us next week where we're probably going to talk about Blue Beetle. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> but yeah, this show's very biblical. It's basically Bible fan fiction. Mm -hmm. Is it biblical in a way that people who actually believe in the bible like i wouldn't say so i could not imagine so <laughs> but but we love it none we love it and we don't believe in the bibles so. yeah <laughs> who cares well, what what should we talk about first okay i think i want to start with the very beginning of the season opens with crowley and aziraphale in heaven as angels as both angels mm -hmm. so crowley is obviously as we know him has always been a demon mm -hmm. um and this is the first time we are seeing him in heaven before he fell before the war against uh, between heaven and what would later become hell and uh he is just so happy he is the most joyous you have ever seen Crowley. David Tennant gets to squeal like a little kid. And he's so happy. He's making the universe. He says, let there be light. And he creates the Big Bang. Mm -hmm. And that is nuts. <laughs> yeah, the fact that it is Crowley who births this infinite universe. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And then Aziraphale's like, oh, I don't know if you've heard. They're planning to you know, destroy it all in 6,000 years. <laughs> um, and it with... just destroys Crowley. He's so upset. And he's like, what? Why did I go through so much effort to make this beautiful, gorgeous thing? He calls it gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And Aziraphale thinks he's talking about him, but he's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, and why would you make me make this thing, this beautiful piece of art in Crowley's eyes, creation, and just to destroy it, what's the purpose of that? And he begins to question God. Yep. <laughs> Which starts him on his journey. Or not even question God, just start asking questions. Yeah, exactly. Just asking questions. Mm -hmm. And that, as we know, is not allowed. If you're asking questions, that means you're a demon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just one to one, you are a demon. Wow. No underlying message there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I guess talking about this intro and, you know, Aziraphale and Crowley, I guess I can just get it out of the way because the way that I saw their relationship, and I say it with the word relationship because that's what it is. As you should. I saw it as almost God's plan 
that like if if this god does exist and again in a fictional narrative that means that everything is planned out and that means that Aziraphale and Crowley were created essentially for each other mm-hmm. at least that's my take on it I love that take well the thing is is that in the first season it doesn't necessarily like negate that theory because mm-hmm. the first season you never actually hear from God unless God is narrating. Yep. And when Frances McDormand slash God is narrating. <laughs> and she is God. She is. She is God. <laughs> um, She is only narrating the story of Crowley and Aziraphale. That's it. She does. She I mean, she talks a little bit about the Antichrist and does that kind of thing for a little bit. But that goes away pretty quickly. And especially at the end of season one. Um, you only hear from her when we're learning more about Aziraphale and Crowley and their relationship, especially like going back to the Garden of Eden. I'm assuming that that is the second time that they meet now mm-hmm. in the first season and the book. It's assumed that that's the first time that yes. they meet, but it's not, which is fair because Cro- I never realized this, but Crowley never learns Aziraphale's name in that scene. Mm-hmm. Only Aziraphale learns Crowley's name. And this uh scene this new scene in the first episode of season two um has crowley learning aziraphale's name but not aziraphale learning crowley's name which is interesting because there is i'm going to talk way more about this later but um there's like a theory that uh angels change their name when they fall and their names are different than what they were. Because can you imagine an angel named Beelzebub? I can't. It, no. <laughs> I'd never even thought of that. But that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. So maybe we don't know what Crowley's wanna, name used to be. I want to get into which, it. Which <laughs> I have a lot to say yeah. about. But we're going to talk about it a little later. Um, and especially in that first Garden of Eden scene where... Crowley worries that he did the right thing and Aziraphale worries that he did the wrong thing. And Crowley says, wouldn't it be funny if I did the good thing and you did the bad one? Um, That, I feel like that's exactly what God, what Francis McDormand's God intends. Maybe not the God from the Bible, but that seems like if you put those two people in that situation, that's exactly what they were going to do. (laughs) Like, I feel like we're going to get into it uh, more as we talk about Terry Pratchett, Neil Gaiman, but I do want to talk about, and you mentioned Bible fanfic, Mm -hmm. because it feels like it's, um, this is an example that maybe some listeners will get, but like if a really recent comic writer takes a story from 50 years ago and retells it or just recontextualize it with the same characters that's what this feels like where neil gaiman is taking the bible taking all the characters and just telling a new story with it Mm -hmm. which is essentially just fan fiction but it is so much fun it is and and it's weird to say because i know absolutely nothing about the bible i'm not religious Mm -hmm. at all yeah neither of us are and with our upbringing we don't know much about the bible to begin with um but i i researched enough in like college and stuff specific classes that i've had um to know some things and read enough like classic literature uh 
to know a little bit, but clearly not a lot about the Bible. But it is, it absolutely is fan fiction. And Neil, Neil Gaiman should like totally be recognized um, as one of the authors who has always been pro fan fiction. He has always encouraged his fans to write their own stories and use um, the characters that he created in different ways because there are a lot of authors, authors, there are a lot of authors who are against that um, and who have been. And they're like, you know, very prominent authors um, that you wouldn't think are so terrible to their fans, <laughs> but there are a lot that are. Um, and yeah, he's he's always made himself very accessible. He has a Tumblr account and like people send him requests and he responds directly to them. Like ask they ask him questions directly. And I love that. <laughs> and I've always loved Neil Gaiman, but mm -hmm. it's the longer time goes on, the more I realize how amazing of a person he is mm -hmm. or even just how amazing of a writer he is. So just one example is uh, it was barely a year ago that I figured out that he wrote the original novelization of Coraline. You didn't know that? I had that? no idea about oh, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's amazing. <laughs> he's excellent. Excellent author. <laughs> I love Neil Gaiman. Um, is it Gaiman or Gaiman? We've had Honestly, this conversation. Honestly, I think we've said both on this podcast already. Who knows? I it's both. Whatever. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> if he's lis if you're listening, Neil, you can correct us. <laughs> yeah. Please, yeah, feel free to call me. Just please, I want to talk to you. Gives, proceeds to give his real phone number. <laughs> yeah, I was about to list my phone number, but I should probably not do that. That's a bad idea. Okay. <laughs> anyway, getting back to Good Omens. Yes. Um, so, basically, the plot of this season, it doesn't necessarily have the biggest plot. Not a lot happens. Not a lot actually happens in the present timeline, but a lot does happen, I would say. Yes. And... um. It starts basically Gabriel, played by the wonderful John Hamm, shows up naked and as an amnesiac <laughs> to um, Aziraphale's bookshop and he needs help and mm -hmm. Aziraphale decides to help him even though the last time that they met he tried to kill him. <laughs> yep. Just straight up, he tried to smite him. He tried to actually <laughs> destroy him and Crowley definitely remembers that. <laughs> But um, Aziraphale doesn't, and he's an angel, so of course he's going to help he's him. He's such a sweet boy. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Is he, though? No, absolutely not. <laughs> I guess I can mention now just how funny of an actor John Hamm is. John he's so incredible. Funny. Everyone is so funny in this. David Tennant and Michael Sheen give it their absolute all. I should have shouted them out first yeah because like david tennant has a wonderful oh scene God. at the last episode which i'm thinking of more than anything else but of course everyone in this show kills it what's her name Shax. i it started out and i was wondering is this a choice like is her weird acting a choice mm -hmm. by the end of it i it was definitely a choice it definitely is yes. because she was the woman who played madam tracy in season one. Oh, yep i honestly I did not even remember that. Really? Yeah. Yeah, because um, I didn't catch that the first time, but I've watched it three times. <laughs> and, um, um, so what I did catch the first time was Maggie and Nina are the actresses. They played the satanic nuns in the first season who, who mess up the baby swap. 
Oh, you know, I'm just remembering <laughs> that now. Yep. Yeah. I definitely remember that. Um, And so they're back and they're excellent. And it's, they've been, they've had like little interviews about it. And they're like, it's kind of like an anthology. It's nice. We get to come back and play different characters. But David Tennant and Michael Sheen are playing the same characters. Yep. <laughs> um, no, I'm just picturing them giving looks to each other and both doesn't know the look that they're yeah, giving. Yeah, the wink. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that's so funny. Mm. Um, Yeah, so the plot is John Hamm shows up. Sorry, the Archangel Gabriel <laughs> shows up, doesn't know a thing. Aziraphale says he'll help him. And Crowley is very against it. But once he realizes that uh, heaven and hell is after whoever is hiding Gabriel... He obviously decides to help Aziraphale. Yep. <laughs> and they, together, they do, they each do half of a miracle to uh, hide Gabriel from detection. But in doing that, um, Heaven obviously detects their miracle. And it's, the interesting part is the two of them are like, nobody suspected a thing you know we did so freaking well and meanwhile there's blazing alarms yeah. going off in heaven and they're like this is the biggest miracle we've ever seen so that's interesting mm -hmm. i think like why do you think that i think as soon i don't even know if they were holding their hands but in a emotional sense aziraphale and crowley put their hands together mm -hmm. and combined their power yeah and that definitely did something. That's what I think. There are there are people who think that I'm I've I've obviously gone online and <laughs> looked what people are saying about this season. Um, but that's what I think was going on. Um, there's also another theory that is circling around a lot that I will get into later. I Again, want to hear this? Um, it's all it's all part of the same thing. <laughs> okay. Um, but. So, whatever. They are detected by heaven, and heaven comes up and is like, what? Why did you do this miracle all of a sudden? Are you hiding Gabriel? And they're like, no! We're just trying to make two mortals fall in love. <laughs> because um, Aziraphale's neighbor, record shop owner, mm. Maggie, is in love with the coffee shop owner, Nina. And um, they're like, oh, they, Aziraphale thinks of a lie on his feet and is like, oh, I was just trying to make them fall in love. So now he and Aziraphale actually have to try and make them fall in love. And that felt like a very Terry Pratchett level misunderstanding. <laughs> yeah. I felt like that was a very good homage to Terry Pratchett. Yeah. I. There were a lot of people who were really worried about this season having the lack of Terry Pratchett mm -hmm. um, because Neil Gaiman has said that the season, uh, the idea for Good Omens 2 that he and Terry thought of um, is not what this season is. That's what a season three, if we got one, would be. And this season is a necessary stepping stone, a necessary bridge to get there. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, but I think it, I think it really worked out. Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't, obviously, Terry Project wasn't involved, but I feel like they tried to include his style and his memory as much as possible because it definitely showed that and i think if we also started with you know whatever is going to be season three which i do hope we get a season three Me too. if we just started right up at that point at the beginning of season two that would have been way too jarring yeah so we definitely needed this break especially because break literally <laughs> um <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> 
<laughs> Especially because um, this season showed how much nothing had changed in five years between Aziraphale and Crowley. And I think that that is interesting. And how nothing will change. Right. They will not progress unless they're forced to. Unless they're forced to. <laughs> Crowley is actively still living in his car with his plants. He's done nothing. <laughs> he was kicked out of his demon apartment and he has done nothing. And it's six years later mm -hmm. or like five yeah, years later or something. That. Yeah, And it's like, dude, why are you living in your car? Just ask your buddy. Your buddy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know that bookshop has more than one room, right? Yeah. Jim is sleeping in it. <laughs> you can go, oh yeah. Um, the Archangel Gabriel, um, Aziraphale tells him that his name is Jim. <laughs> mm -hmm. Short and for James, shorter for Gabriel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I love how nonchalant Jim is or John Hamm is yep. about everything. And the way that he's alphabetizing books by the first word. <laughs> Just he's, everything he does. He's just a little baby. He is. <laughs> he's like walking around like, I don't know, I'm just doing stuff. And also in that scene when he's alphabetizing uh, books, you get a little um, Easter egg of the Good Omens book. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> in there. There was a lot of Easter eggs to books in oh, this yeah. series. Oh, yeah. Lots and lots of books. Loved it. Book fans. Yes. Bookshop. There's <laughs> lots of reason for it. <laughs> so Aziraphale and Crowley actively try to make Maggie and Nina fall in love. And I think this is the point where I'm going to say that this was the gayest show I have seen in recent history. <laughs> At any point that they decided, can we be inclusive? They were. Mm -hmm. And I'm all here they for They were it. like, how can we make this show so gay that no one will ever be able to say... That show wasn't gay. But they weren't gay. <laughs> they were just Every, good friends. Everyone in this show is super gay. Terry Pratchett, not Terry Pratchett, uh, <laughs> Bill Gaiman even got Aziraphale to say grinder, which yep. floored me. I was like, what did that meeting look like? He was like, he was had his, had his board up with all of his plot points on little cards mm. and little strings attached. And he's like, now how can I get Aziraphale to say grinder. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> He's got the red yarn connecting a bunch of dots. It's a conspiracy. If I get him to meet this character and then he talks to that character. Exactly. It's all, that's, you know, that's what this season was really about. Yeah. <laughs> there was no other purpose. Honestly, I, I'm not even kidding. I feel like a lot of this season was just build up to one moment in the last of episode. Of course it was. Of course it was. And I mean, it's not like it's anything new for mm -hmm. people who are literate, in yeah. <laughs> who are media literate, and who, like, if you've read the book, there's the way that they describe Aziraphale is um, any person meeting Aziraphale comes across, or, um, settles on three things about him. Mm -hmm. One, that he's British. Two, that he's intelligent. And three, that he's gayer than a tree full of monkeys. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and i was like i don't even understand what, how a tree full of monkeys is gay but i agree i immediately get it yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean we're, we're still talking about the plot but this series is so funny and not even it's like a quirky funny and mm -hmm. it's lost a lot of its terry pratchett isms mm -hmm. and i guess i can get into it now about how british season one is yeah and if you don't get what i mean when i say british humor think British office 
And if you haven't British seen that. British office, IT crowd, yeah, yes. misfits, that kind of thing. Or and again, if you haven't seen any of those of the above, which are all great, think the episode of the American office, Scott's Tots. Just so <laughs> yeah. hard to watch. And that's their type of humor. Yeah. I like it. I've yeah. always loved British humor. And it's really... It it was really made clear to me when I tried to show other people Good Omens. And I'm like, this is the one of the funniest <laughs> shows I've ever seen. Like, Good Omens season one. And people would sit and watch the first episode with me. And they're like, what is happening? <laughs> this is not interesting. <laughs> they kind of just give you a funny look the whole time. Yeah. They're like, you like this? <laughs> not that it's bad. Because mm. it's not. It's great. No. I love it. I love but I, it. Th it's very... It's for specific types of people who can understand other cultures <laughs> yes and again with that being said season two is a lot more american mm -hmm. and i don't even know how to describe it other than like less awkward i think honestly because season one was such a direct translation of the book which was written in the 90s mm -hmm. and it was excellent and it was such a good adaptation, but it did hold on to a few of the book's weaknesses as everything. Nothing's perfect. Nobody's <laughs> perfect. And not that it needed to be more American um, or like stylized yeah. Americanized to be successful or anything because season one was plenty successful. But um, season two, I think was more streamlined and it recognized what worked mm -hmm. from season one and expanded upon that. Like everyone who's seen Good Omens, you ask them, what's the best part of Good Omens? They're going to say the 30 minute opening scene or opening sequence of episode three, where Aziraphale and Crowley go throughout time. So what did season two do? It had a mini-sode inside of every single episode of Aziraphale and Crowley in a different time period, doing a different thing. And that's part of what made this season so great. <laughs> it, it was perfect. And I, I'm thinking specifically of all the stuff with Job and they... Oh my God. <laughs> that episode had David Tennant's whole family in it. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. It was so good. <laughs> I, again, all the biblical stuff I'm assuming is accurate. I'm not going to look it up and make sure. But it seems accurate uh, yeah. enough to me. There was a guy named Job. He yep. had children. That's what I know. Did he get the children murdered and then he was given... I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure that it's exactly how Good Omens portrayed it. I really hope so. Yeah. Because this is more fun. <laughs> oh my god, no. I couldn't stop laughing when Ty Tennant started flirting with Aziraphale. And then David Tennant immediately turned him into a... a a lizard. Yes. <laughs> it was the funniest second. And then the, the third kid just like, I want to be a blue one. <laughs> yeah. You haven't annoyed me yet, but I want to be just, a blue one. Yeah. So, I'm okay. Jemima. I made this pot. <laughs> gem. Absolute gem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wonderful kid. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the other two kids were assholes. I could have I could have <laughs> kept them as lizards. Stay lizards. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we're going to get through all of the plot but i also want to talk about now that you mentioned david Tennant's families the amount of cameos oh yeah like almost one per episode i got a bunch listed out i mean obviously mark gatiss is a nazi oh. and then he's a zombie i mean he nazi. was he was in the first season and mm -hmm. that is consistent i didn't even remember that yeah he was in it's the same actors really yeah oh my he goodness. was he was a nazi in the first season oh, and i, I remember remembered that. watching that 
I remember watching it like three, no, not three years ago. It was six years ago. Mm -hmm. I remember watching it with your dad and then we're sitting there and he's like, is that Mark Gatiss? (laughs) (laughs) It's Mycroft. Yeah. (laughs) But other than Mark Gatiss, I don't know a lot of their names, but Harry Potter's Quidditch captain shows up looking for dead bodies. Oh, Captain Hooch. (laughs) No, no, wait, is that right? The coach, Hooch. Wait. Oh, not the coach. His like captain who trains him shows him how to like use a blunder. Oliver Wood. Yeah, Oliver Wood. Why do they have such sexual names, the both of them? Because J.K. Rowling doesn't know how to name people. (laughs) Definitely not. Oh my god. Wait, was it Hooch? Am I just creating that? That's, I don't know. That sounds right. Though. That sounds right. That yeah, the 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 what the teacher with the weird eyes. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. Okay. I think we're gonna have to look this up as Who soon as we cares? finish recording. I'm not gonna look it up. Who no, cares? we're gonna we're we're not gonna look it up. But <laughs> also the uh, if you've seen the newest the Batman, the guy who looks sinisterly at Bruce Wayne shows up, and he's the one with the boyfriend with the grinder and the zero. Oh my god! Really? Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> And of the last one, and this one blew my goddamn mind because I had to look it up to know, mm-hmm. but Shax, the demon who replaces Crowley, mm-hmm. do you re- recognize that actress? Yeah, she was Madame Tracy in the first season. Uh, do you recognize her from anything else? I don't know. I feel like you're leading me into a trap. <laughs> I am leading you straight <laughs> to somewhere because, and again, I didn't know this. That's Rita Skeeter. God. <laughs> yeah yeah that makes sense <laughs> yeah because i knew i recognize her but the whole time i was like i i don't know you i've seen your face but i definitely know hold you. on i need to look this up yeah. that's crazy <laughs> yeah no it's the horrible reporter rita skeeter skeeter whatever her last name is she gets turned to fly in it no she is a fly she's oh an... my god you're <laughs> right wow <laughs> yeah she's an anamorph in the book <laughs> an animal animagus <laughs> no, no, we're not talking about harry potter no. back on track we gotta, we gotta get back on track um, where were we in the plot yeah okay so aziraphale um and crowley try to make nina and maggie fall in love and <clears throat> crowley says something so interesting i i've written this down yeah do you want me to say it? You say all right. it. All right. I got get humans wet and staring into their eyes and no. va-voom. Yeah, he says va-voom <laughs> um, because he saw it in a movie, but that's a big yeah. fat lie because um, you know where you know where Crowley got that from? When he and Aziraphale met. <laughs> Ooh. He and Aziraphale first met in heaven, as they show in the first episode, mm-hmm. um, and then it starts... Like, he creates the Big Bang. Yeah, there's a fireworks show. In yeah, yeah, and then them. they start a fireworks show, and then Crowley lifts his wing and g- uh, shelters Aziraphale from the, the quote-unquote storm. Mm-hmm. Then, the next time that they meet, in the Garden of Eden, it was the first day that it ever rained as Adam and Eve leave the garden. And then oh, it starts raining, and Crowley starts moving towards Aziraphale before... Aziraphale puts up his wing and then he shelters him from the rain. And I'm like, oh my God, you bitch. (laughs) See, this show, and it's the more that I think about it, the more layered and nuanced it is. Because the first reading that you get as soon as you're finished watching these six episodes is a lot of that was surface level. And I still liked it, but you just got to keep on thinking about it. Mm -hmm. It's just like you just explained there's so many little things. Yeah, I didn't realize that till my second watch. I was like, mm. wait a second. <laughs> I have to go back and watch the first season. 
Because, yeah, I mean, we're bouncing around a lot, but every time that they flash to a, a time in biblical history, especially in season two, it's not only gives context to what happens that specific episode, but it's also just gives context to their characters and how they interact with each other. Because so many times we would see more, like when we went back to... Uh, the bombing of London yeah. after that uh, church had been bombed. I could not believe that after that happened, after they get bombed and uh, kill some Nazis, that what they do is go to perform magic <laughs> in the West End <laughs> at a at a striptease show yeah. theater. <laughs> and of course, perform magic without any real magic. Yeah, they can't use their real <laughs> magic. Oh my god gosh how entertaining it was, was that? so good and that's where uh crowley reveals that he's never shot a gun before mm -hmm. and aziraphale reveals that he owns a gun <laughs> and has a license for it so what what do you think who's of that? the real yeah. angel and devil here <laughs> i i can say it now but i have the note written down that aziraphale and crowley are the exact same person crowley's just upfront about it that's interesting I'd, I'd even say Aziraphale is more selfish, mm -hmm. if I, anything. I definitely think Aziraphale really? is more selfish. I, think... I don't think they're the same person because I mm. think that Aziraphale is very selfish. <laughs> yes. Because Crowley, even going back to the first season, Aziraphale is somebody who... Um, he's, not, he's not a selfish, horrible person. He's a good no. person. But... He's only convinced to save the world from the apocalypse after Crowley's tells him no more little restaurants where they know you, no more bookshops, mm. no more Mozart. You know, you can't enjoy any of these things anymore. You won't have them. Crowley's doing it because he doesn't want the world to end because he likes humans. So does Aziraphale. Aziraphale mm. likes humans and he likes um, the world that he lives in. But... He likes the things that he has because mm -hmm. of that world. Aziraphale had to put it in context of, oh, how does this affect me? Yeah. Which is very interesting. Yeah. Because I think you've almost convinced me where I still think they're very similar of people. But no, Aziraphale, they are. That's why they are yeah, best that's why, friends. <laughs> that's best friends, we say with quotes. <laughs> but Aziraphale is definitely the more demon of the two and Crowley's the more angel of the two. And I always love that read of it. Yeah, that, I think that's the point that mm -hmm. um, Neil and Terry were trying to get at in the first place. I mean, the books, I remember when I bought the book, I actually bought it with our grandma. Um, and we went to the bookstore and they had two different versions of Good Omens. And any bookstore you go to, you'll find it. And one of them is a white cover with Crowley on it. And the other one is a black cover with a Xerophil on it. I didn't know about this, but I love it. <laughs> yeah. And so I bought the white cover with Crowley and our grandmother bought the one with a Xerophil. <laughs> it really depends on who you are. <laughs> Obviously, we'll have to deep dive way more into a Xerophil and Crowley, but I'll end this part of the podcast by saying someone else will come by and help. Yeah. That, that was probably the greatest line ever. Mm -hmm. Like an angel saying that. God, yeah. that hit me. Like Barbie. Uh-huh, yep. <laughs> so many times a little one line will just, I will be remembering on my deathbed. Barbie, <laughs> April's puke moment. <laughs> a more important angel will come by. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to lie down in the grass. <laughs>
So we should get back to the plot. Yeah. So Aziraphale tries to uh, rain out Nina and Maggie. And it doesn't work. They don't fall in love because Nina has a girlfriend or a partner mm -hmm. um, who sucks. A horrible partner. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> they suck. Um, meanwhile, while all of this stuff is happening, Gabriel sung like a song. And it's the only thing that he kind of remembers. So and I've had this song stuck in my head ever since I finished watching it. Max, it's been stuck in my head for weeks. I watched this a few weeks ago. <laughs> See, I just finished it last night. Yeah. It's been stuck. <laughs> it hasn't in... been afflicting me as much. It's been terrorizing my every thought. <laughs> um, it's Every Day by Buddy Holly. <laughs> yeah, and it's a wonderful yeah. song. Um, it's a great song. But uh, so Aziraphale goes to Scotland because he figured out that it was in, there's a jukebox in scotland that yes. turns every song into that song mm -hmm. and so he goes to investigate and uh by the time he comes back you know crowley has failed nina and maggie aren't in love and mm -hmm. heaven is coming to check up on the fact that they're in love so uh um, I, I will say while this happened aziraphale took crowley's car and <laughs> I think I think Crowley's car kind of liked it. I think so too. <laughs> Crowley's car, which which um in the book, it's not really made clear in the show, but in the book um his car is has this like magical nature thrust upon it mm -hmm. that uh probably from Crowley that any song you put into the car, any CD or tape or whatever you put into the car to play any music it will turn into Queen, a Queen song by Fortnite. That's why every single song you hear Crowley playing in that car is a Queen song. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. I just thought he was a Queen fan. He is a Queen <laughs> fan, and but it because they don't make it clear in the in the show. Mm -hmm. Um But interestingly enough, when Aziraphale takes the car, it starts playing classical music and it mm. turns yellow. <laughs> And he can't go above the speed limit. He, can't, he physically cannot go above the speed limit. Um, and this really pisses Crowley off. <laughs> and not to mention the fact that when Aziraphale takes the car, Crowley's like, okay, great, when's your train? And he's like, I thought I'd take the car. And then Crowley's like, what car? And he's like, our car. <laughs> just, we don't have a car. <laughs> That's my car. He's like, no, it's not. It's our car. I'm taking it. <laughs> If there was any doubt that they were committing to the relationship in season two, that was the moment where, like, yep, they're definitely doing yeah. this. Also, a bit later, like, I really wasn't expecting this. I was hoping for things, but I wasn't expecting it. But, like, Nina asks them about it directly. Like, Nina goes, so how long have you guys been together? <laughs> yeah. And we're like, what? Well, and, oh, my God, well, David Tennant has the same reaction. She, he's just like, um, no, we're not. No. 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 And, -uh. he's like, and she's like, yeah, you are. <laughs> he's getting looked at by that sus dog. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you are. <laughs> it, it was amazing. I'll just say... Think of Christine, the Stephen King car, but in like Hello Kitty paint. Like that's what it made me think of. Oh, I, mean, I don't <laughs> even understand that reference. Oh. It's just like bumblebee yellow. Yeah, to me. It, and I was like, that's the cutest thing in the world. It was amazing. Yeah. But again, back to the plot. Yeah. Because we, we got to get to episode six. So we're we can getting talk there. About it's it. going slowly. <laughs> While all this is happening, you know, Hell's trying to figure out where Gabriel is and so is Heaven. And Shax um, is, you know, 
like convinced oh um Aziraphale is hiding the uh, Gabriel in his bookshop mm. so let's send an army to get them or to yeah to get Gabriel um, not an army a legion a legion sorry <laughs> a legion a legion's technically a thousand demons <laughs> we're 175th of a legion <laughs> Yeah, no, the, the, what, the cat eared demon, yeah. whatever, whatever it is, he's back. And I did not, I totally forgot this from the book, but it's not the same guy, like, coming back over and over again. Like, it's a, um, it's a running joke of low-level identical demons getting killed all the time <laughs> by different things. I wish I got that joke because yeah. that, that, it just, like, clicked in my brain and that, that's amazing. Yeah, no, it's really funny. I'd totally forgotten about <laughs> They're all just so expendable and dispensable. <laughs> right. Um, and so Aziraphale gets back from Scotland and oh, he's like, oh, okay, I'm going to put on a Jane Austen party to make them fall in love because that's how people fall in love. Jane Austen, right? <laughs> because the rain and looking to it into each other's eyes didn't work. Didn't work. <laughs> didn't work. Not for Nina and, and Maggie. Although I'm not going to lie, as that scene was going on and they were getting rained on, I thought it was working. I thought it was going to work too. It almost worked. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty close, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like Crowley wasn't all wrong. <laughs> no. <laughs> and it's like, I wonder where that trope comes from, Crowley. Um. <laughs> but yeah, they're setting up this extravagant Jane Austen ball. Yes, and he's inviting the whole neighborhood under the guise uh, that it is a neighborhood business association. And he's bribing party. them all. Yes, <laughs> bribing them all by giving away books. Yeah, scandalous. <laughs> Aziraphale would never give away books. That's crazy. Even Crowley points that out. Also, there's a Doctor Who reference in that scene. There's yep. multiple Doctor Who references in the one with the zombies in the minisode with the zombies in the World War Two. He puts on a fez and then he starts making the TARDIS noise. <laughs> I didn't notice that. And then... I mean, how could I miss the second yeah, Doctor the Who The second reference? one, they directly say Doctor Who multiple times. The and original then... one from 1965. <laughs> and then they pan to Crowley and he's like totally uninterested. <laughs> <laughs> we know you're interested, David Tennant. I see you coming back. Right. Also, David Tennant's father-in-law is plays Joe, who, and he also played the Doctor. <laughs> I, You know, I paused it on that scene and... Amazon has that fantastic thing where it shows you all the yeah. actors. And I I knew that a lot of David Tennant's family was in that scene. I had no idea that Job was his dad, though. Right. Just, oh, my goodness. No, his, his uh, father-in-law. Oh, father-in-law. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> but anyway, like, it, the fact that they all did such a good job, like, mm -hmm. I, I would have never called that, that yeah. they were just all his well, family. Well, it's not nepotism. Like, they're good actors. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, Ty Tennant might be nepotism. <laughs> but, like, it's not bad. He was in House of the Dragon, and he was really good in that. Honestly, it was probably <laughs> that it was COVID shooting, and they had to shoot mm -hmm. with who they had on the day. So, I, I yeah. get it. Yeah. And it's it was fun. Yeah. It was fun <laughs> to see Ty Tennant be a little slut once again. <laughs> yeah. I did forget that he was in House of Dragon yeah. as a horrible, <laughs> horrible person. Yeah. Just sending me to flashbacks to that mm, yeah no it's not it's not fun to think about <laughs> <laughs> that whole show mm. i mean fantastic great show but, but what a time wow depressing yeah <laughs> um, anyway good omens so aziraphale puts on a ball a jane austen ball mm -hmm. and um it's going great and um nina and maggie are you know dancing they're very weirded out but they're <laughs> dancing and um and then aziraphale's like crowley we should dance <laughs> oh and this whole time 
Crowley is He's looking like, outside and seeing the chaos. Yeah, that yeah. Is there's beginning. there's a 175th of a legion of demons yeah. coming to get them outside, and, and they almost get Maggie, but she makes it indoors. Yeah. Well, he's no Nina. Nina, sorry, I mixed them up. No, it's all good. And he, uh, he's like actually trying to deal with the problem, and Aziraphale's like, "What if we discuss it? Well, we dance." <laughs> <laughs> and Aziraphale's just so happy and you yeah. could see it in his eyes as he grabs crowley's hand yeah. to dance no he's literally giddy it's yeah. great I, I there was many many moments where they would hint or push the relationship just a fraction further mm -hmm. and i would i couldn't help but just kind of like move around a bunch because <laughs> it would just make me giddy yeah seeing them giddy yeah no it was super cute also before this i totally forgot about it but i do want to talk about it um we touched on it a little bit but after nina tells crowley that <laughs> he and the Zierfeller are a couple. He like starts drinking and like freaking out a little bit. And then he's like, he's like, we should get rid of Gabriel. I don't want him here anymore. I don't want to deal with this anymore. And Aziraphale's like, no, I made a promise to to protect him. So that's what I'm going to do. And so Aziraphale takes his bottle of wine, not Aziraphale, Crowley takes his bottle of wine and goes upstairs and talks to... Uh, Jim slash Gabriel, and it is the most tense scene in the... No, not the most tense scene in the season, but the second most <laughs> tense scene in the season. Um, and I I have never been afraid of, that Crowley would do something bad because Crowley is... He's a demon, but he is genuinely a very nice person even though anytime anyone says that he's like i'm not nice <laughs> yeah um, he will never let anyone let never yeah. let anyone call him nice but he is, he is and he doesn't kill person. kids and he doesn't kill goats mm -hmm. and he doesn't shoot guns but i was genuinely afraid that he was going to do something to gabriel and you want to know why because aziraphale was in danger yeah because he because gabriel hurt aziraphale mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> And he was just like terrifying in that scene. And a lot of the time, I mean, I just love David Tennant's contacts that he wears, but this is the scene that it really worked. Oh, yeah. Like you could feel mm -hmm. the fear from those snake slits. Yeah. God. And just, it just reminded me how good David Tennant is at playing a villain. Mm -hmm. He's so good. When he was the purple man, I was Jessica just going to say purple man. Yeah. Oh my God. He was freaking terrifying. Yeah. And I, I've loved him so much since I was a kid because <laughs> we grew up watching Doctor Who, you know? And I was genuinely afraid of him then, and I was genuinely afraid of the scene. We only ever saw him briefly as a villain in Harry Potter 4. Yeah. Like, that's the only But time. it wasn't that scary because he kept sticking his tongue out like a weirdo. <laughs> yeah. He <laughs> <laughs> was having fun, though. Oh, yeah. You, I don't you fault tell. him was, for that. He was killing it, as he always does. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, yeah, Doctor Who probably everyone's favorite doctor well that's why he's coming back baby yeah exactly <laughs> this is the summer of God. david Tennant. <laughs> side note i've fallen off doctor who quite a lot i am most certainly re returning for the yeah david you Tennant better stuff. no you I mean, need to, to go watch doctor. capaldi mm -hmm. you need I, to go watch capaldi's era and watch jody's era too we'll uh, have with a lot both, to say about it i i need to look up the best episodes like the highest reviewed and mm -hmm. then just watch those because that's what i usually do you should watch all of capaldi's okay and then I will. just watch 
It's not Jody's fault. It isn't. This isn't a Doctor Who episode, but it's not Jody's fault. I saw the it's first. It's Chris Chibnall's fault. Yeah, I saw the first episode with Jody where she fights like a tooth fairy alien. It's, That's a it's great weird. way to put it. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, back to good omens. Um, we've been saying that a lot. <laughs> we keep getting sidetracked. Um, they have the ball. Mm-hmm. Then they're uh the the one seventy fifth of a legion of demons come in and they're like, give us Gabriel. And Gabriel goes outside yeah. and he's like, because he's Jim right now and he is very nice <laughs> and he you know, he likes. All the people there yeah. and he's very nice to Aziraphale and Crowley because they helped him. And he's like, I don't want to put you in danger. And he goes outside in a, mag- oh a magnificent God. coat. I thought like he might Elton have been John. back as Gabriel just from the coat that he was wearing. Yeah. But it's very clear. He's still Jim. No, he looked fantastic. And even just the way that he walked out and beforehand, he's just, he was just like, oh, you guys are want me? Sure. Yeah, I'll go. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Yeah. Cool. But uh, he goes out and the demons, obviously, because Aziraphale uh, and Crowley miracled it so that nobody knows that that is Gabriel. They're like, go back inside, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> go bring us the angel. Bring but, us Gabriel. <laughs> but I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Crowley, as is his nature makes up a fake uh rule that demons can't hurt humans and a fake byline in some contract somewhere saying that he has to relocate all of the humans before battle can commence of course crowley's gonna save the humans exactly so aziraphale stays in the shop along with maggie and nina who decide to stay and crowley takes the humans out um to safety Mm. and then he goes up to a character who we haven't mentioned yet, um, the angel Muriel, mm-hmm. um, and they are so cute and funny and precious, and as is as they are called later, a little dim, but, <laughs> but doesn't matter. She's all the better for it. Yes, but <laughs> they. I I honestly have no idea, so yeah. I'm just sticking with that. <laughs> um, the only one I know for sure is Beelzebub is they, mm-hmm. and um, Aziraphale and Crowley are he. Those are the only ones that I'm certain. <laughs> That's kind of why I corrected myself because you said they, and I was like, "May I? I probably should just yeah. just to be sure, just to cover my bases." Just like they're angels, man. Yeah. That shit doesn't bother them. Well, it's also the fact that all of these creatures, and I say creatures because they're like, if you think of the biblical angel, and I wish we did kind of see that, where it's the eyes and the wings and it's folding in on itself. Like they're not gendered. Yeah, they're not label or they're not confined to some weird gender that we've thought of our society is dumb <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we we create crazy things like gender and norms or and what's the line <laughs> we we create weird things like patriarchy oh yeah and... oh no it was um we create things like patriarchy ideas like patriarchy and barbie That's yes what. yeah talking about barbie man fantastic line fantastic <laughs> movie yeah go watch it if you haven't <laughs> let's get back to good omens <laughs> um crowley goes up to the angel muriel who is pretending to be a uh constable named lieutenant <laughs> inspector, Const- Const- inspector, inspector constable, constable. Um, <laughs> very poorly pretending um and he's like arrest me and take me to heaven <laughs> <laughs> So, so he, so, so she does. He goes to heaven, and um, Crowley finds out while he's in heaven the reason that Gabriel doesn't have a memory. 
which is um, Gabriel did not want to. The other angels, along with the Metatron, who was in season one. Um, I didn't remember him at all, but I did love that because Metatron is a DC character. Oh, really? <laughs> DC I, characters got a lot of gods in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? New gods so and old Marvel. gods. Yeah. yeah. A Jack Kirby's fault. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, so Metatron uh, and the other angels want to commence another apocalypse because, of course, they do. They wanted to do that last season as well. Um, and Gabriel's like, mm, what about no? <laughs> so, How about no? How about no? It's <laughs> um, like, nah, I don't want to do that. Um, so they fire him and they're like, we're going to take your memory um, all of your memories as Gabriel and you'll be demoted. Um, and yeah. And so Gabriel's like, okay, can I have a second to go clear out my desk and take off my clothes? <laughs> because he's like, I can't wear these clothes if I'm going to be demoted. He also doesn't have a desk. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he goes and takes off his clothes and leaves heaven goes down the elevator of heaven <laughs> holding a box yep and he puts something in and out of that box yeah and uh he writes on the bottom of the box mm -hmm. and uh they wipe his memory mm -hmm. and he doesn't return and they're like oh damn we gotta or, find Gabriel. i don't think they even wipe his memory because no, he do. wipes his own memory doesn't he no no they wipe his memory okay i because... i my read was that uh, again we're talking spoilers he mm -hmm. put all of his memories in the fly and that's why he was able to get him he back he did put all of his memories in the fly but um they they were like let's start the memory wipe now okay so i think it was some combination of the two Honestly, I even had the thought of it could have been a severance thing. If you've seen that show where yeah. as soon as he goes on the elevator, lost that's severance. how he lost his memory. Maybe. I don't know. I love severance. Yeah. <laughs> Cannot wait for season two. Me neither. That's the second time we've said that on this podcast. Probably. <laughs> so that yeah. so that is um the that's, mystery. The that's crux the mystery of this whole that season. well, that's part of the mystery. But mm -hmm. also the way that Crowley finds this out is that he opens up a file uh but that file muriel told him she couldn't open or they couldn't open mm -hmm. because you have to be a very powerful angel to have opened that you have to be a dominion or higher and um crowley opens it with ease and then mm -hmm. he's like i haven't always been a demon and they never changed their passwords <laughs> which is funny which is like a, a throwaway line that he could be using to explain but i definitely think was something else happening in that moment we'll get there i <laughs> okay. think so okay i think so um i'm not smart enough to figure out what was happening but i definitely think there was something else going on there mm -hmm. so then crowley goes back to earth along with the other archangels uh not archangels they're not archangels oh no they are Mm -hmm. Gabriel's the only supreme archangel. Yes, yeah, you're right. Um, so he goes back down with Muriel. I forgot. I forgot All her name. Names. Also, Michael, um, Uriel, and oh, the the new one who the, Crowley also forgot the name of. It was like Sai something, Cynthia. I don't know something with an L. All of the know. angel names have L's in them, which Do is they? interesting. I've noticed that. Yeah. Hmm. I didn't even um, think about that. Same way when I was thinking of all the endless. They all have something. Oh. Oh, they all start with D. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. 
Um, um, oh, yes. All of the angels come down. All of the angels come down to Earth. And um, meanwhile, Aziraphale, Maggie, and Nina, mostly Aziraphale, though, uh, defeat all of the uh, demons mm-hmm. who were trying to get to the bookshop. So basically, everyone reconvenes in the bookshop. Uh, the angels, Aziraphale and Crowley, Jim slash Gabriel, and Beelzebub. Mm-hmm. And this is when Crowley turns over the box that uh, Gabriel brought down with him. And it says, I am in the fly on the bottom of the box. Blew my mind. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but I binged all of this in a few days. Uh, and I've been noticing that fly because mm-hmm. it's very consistent yeah. how much this fly is in i should also mention how very terry pratchett this ending is where it's all the leaders of heaven and hell meeting in a bookshop yeah. to have a conversation excellent but yeah th- this fly i i noticed i watched it all in a in a day <laughs> and then i watched it again so you, you so noticed I the exact definitely same thing. noticed the fly I, I didn't pick up on it, but as soon as I read I Am In The Fly, mm-hmm. I, like, my jaw dropped. Yeah. No, because, like, of course you don't notice the fly. Like, you mm-hmm. notice it. You say, oh, there's a fly there because Jim's trying to swat a fly. Mm-hmm. But other than that, you don't think about that. And no. then the yeah. end happens. You're like, oh, my God. I'm so stupid. Because, <laughs> I mean, obviously they contextualize it in that episode with Beelzebub and Gabriel mm-hmm. falling in love. Yes, basically and... that is what's revealed. Gabriel gets his memories back and the fly flies into his eye Which in a really disgusting. grotesque <laughs> manner that I loved. Um, <laughs> and it's revealed that uh, Beelzebub and Gabriel had been meeting mm-hmm. periodically since the apocalypse, the almost apocalypse. <laughs> last season and they slowly fell in Mm -hmm. love because they just wanted to maintain the status quo i actually wouldn't say slowly i would say much faster than any other couple in this honestly yeah they met once found out they liked a song and they're like yeah yeah you'll do there they keep they keep being like there's no reason for us to ever meet again and then they keep meeting and it's great (laughs) and um gabriel was the one they listened to that song together Mm -hmm. and beelzebub said that they liked it and so in a different memory uh gabriel i don't know i it's kind of a curse basically curses that jukebox to only play that song ever (laughs) (laughs) and this whole thing is really where it it just smacked me in the face mm-hmm. with what Neil Gaiman was doing, where it's Nina and Maggie, and it's Beelzebub and Gabriel, Gabriel mm-hmm. and it's Crowley and Aziraphale. It really becomes clear there, mm-hmm. because at first you're like, where is this leading to? What is the big mystery? Why does everyone want Gabriel so bad? And it's not that everyone wants Gabriel so bad. No. It's that Beelzebub wants Gabriel found, because mm-hmm. Beelzebub is freaking out the whole season. <laughs> and the angels want to, to fire gabriel <laughs> and honestly i should re-watch season two just to look at beelzebub's acting because mm. i'm sure there's a lot more nuance to yeah. it you actually should mm. it's so fun to rewatch after you knowing watch the end and knowing what happened because you're like oh my god <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was all right there <laughs> um so basically gabriel and beelzebub go off together and it's so cute. Mm-hmm. And Crowley, once again, 
Crowley and Aziraphale once again prevent heaven and hell from having a war. Yep. Um, and then something interesting happens. They cut to a scene of Nina back in her coffee shop serving coffee. And there's a guy that comes in and he's very familiar. And he was also in Doctor Who, might I add. I, I recognized him. And I knew that I was like, I, I know I've seen you in other things. I didn't even recognize him mm. that in that episode, I had seen his face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In that very was, episode. In the same episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because, I was like, I know you. Because surprise, surprise, it's the Metatron yep. uh, in a body, not just a floating head. Mm -hmm. The Metatron comes into the coffee shop and orders a coffee from Nina. And then Nina's coffee shop is called Give Me Coffee or Give Me Death. And... Um, the Metatron goes, does anyone ever ask for death? And then Nina's like, no. And he's like, so predictable. And he's like, okay, that was strange. <laughs> and then the Metatron comes across the street into Aziraphale's bookshop mm -hmm. and basically tells the angels to fuck off. Um, and everyone's like, excuse me, who are you? Yeah. And Crowley's just like, yeah, that's, that's the big head. Yeah. The manipulation tactics are on high here. He has done it so well that nobody recognizes him in his body the metatron mm -hmm. and the first person he asks is crowley and yep. crowley's like yeah i know who you are <laughs> and that's really interesting the, the fact <laughs> we'll that yeah the metatron second. acknowledges a demon mm -hmm. and in front of the angels almost as a petty swipe at the angels no i disagree i don't think well i think it's a little bit of swipe at the angels but i think that it it is targeted towards Aziraphale, especially for okay. what is about to come. Um, so the angels leave. Muriel stays. Muriel goes off and reads a book. Um, or not yet. Uh, but the Metatron says to Aziraphale, can I have a word? And um, they go outside and the Metatron gives a really dirty look to Crowley as he leaves, which is fun. Um, also because the Metatron played the master in Doctor Who. That's what I recognize and him from. And he played the master to David Tennant's Doctor. So that's fun. Oh my fun. goodness. <laughs> I, this whole time I was thinking, like, I recognize him from something. Maybe it was just from the episode where he was mm -hmm. a big head. No, it was from Doctor Who. He was no. the master. I mean, he was also in season one in that scene where Aziraphale got discorporated. Really? Yeah. I, maybe that... I I need to rewatch all of this but show. But he was the war master, the one whose memories were in the watch. Mm -hmm. And yes. with David Tennant. Oh and that my was God. crazy. Uh, oh. Fantastic. He, yeah. <laughs> and so... Basically, that Crowley's like, okay, Muriel, you need to get lost because Aziraphale and, Crowley, he's like, Aziraphale and I are going to go on a date. We're going to go mm. on the, to the Ritz. Yep. We're going to have lots of alcohol and you're not invited. It's just for us. That's basically what he said. We can go to Alpha Centauri, which Crowley <laughs> says that and Aziraphale like kind of takes a mental note. He's like, oh, he likes that spot. As he did in season one. Yep. <laughs> yeah, he, he wanted to go there for the end of the world. Um, but... They don't get to go no, no, on no. their date. Because um, Aziraphale comes back. Well, and then the next time we see Aziraphale, it's after yeah. their conversation. With the Metatron. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we're kind of wondering, like, what was it about? Are we going to get to see a flashback? I really want to see what they were talking about. Mm -hmm. And we do. But it's after Aziraphale comes back to the bookstore. Yeah, he comes back in and he tells Crowley the uh, quote-unquote 
good news from a Xerophil's point of view. And the Metatron has asked a Xerophil to be the new Supreme Archangel to replace Gabriel. First off, that was really interesting because mm. uh, the Metatron goes, who do you think should be this next Supreme Archangel? And then Aziraphale's like, Michael, I guess. <laughs> um, and the Metatron's like, no, you. <laughs> uh, and it, which it, is really interesting because I'm like, okay, pick another white man. <laughs> I mean, it, it's fair because other than maybe the one in the wheelchair, all of the angels are dumb oh, yeah, No, they're dumb. No, <laughs> none of them should be the Supreme Archangel. I agree. But I, and they're angels. So like that stuff doesn't like doesn't really matter to them yeah. or shouldn't. But I was like, that's interesting. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. And oh, 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 actually, wait, before we get into this, what was really, really important okay. was before Aziraphale comes back into the shop, Maggie and Nina come into the shop to talk to Crowley. And I love the resolution of this story because the entire time. And we've been talking fan service. I feel like Neil Gaiman looked at all the fans and the, you know, that massive culture that Good Omen season one created. And he said, what do you guys want to see? And he, I was very worried that the conclusion of Nina and Maggie's story would end in some kind of cheesy, uh, just kind of corny way. And they do ride that line. Sometimes it gets a bit cheesy, but my goodness the maturity in this conclusion and Mm -hmm. do you want to explain it yeah sure um so maggie and nina decide not to be together Mm -hmm. because even though they have feelings for each other nina has just gotten out of a relationship with her horrible ex (laughs) and she is in no headspace to be in a relationship yes and she says um when I'm ready, I hope that Maggie will be there, but there's no guarantee. And then Maggie's like, Oh, I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, there's totally a guarantee. <laughs> um, but then they say that Aziraphale and Crowley got them to talk to each other. And that's why they figured out they have feelings for each other. And that is what the two of them need to do because the two of them never talk to yep. each other. And yeah, I'm paraphrasing, but Nina and Maggie are just like, hey, you're projecting onto us. You yeah. need to stop doing that and it's just like, deal with your problems. Yeah, it's like, you can't play around with us. We're real people. We have real lives. Mm-hmm. You deal with your own relationship problems <laughs> and you have them. And they're basically like, you and Aziraphale are in love mm-hmm. and you need to acknowledge that because you're not and it's really annoying (laughs) and just from the way crowley is sitting in his chair you can tell he's stewing with that acknowledgement yeah (laughs) i mean they're basically saying what all of the fans have been Mm. saying for 30 years so and i do feel like we flash back to 1940s germany because that's definitely when they came to terms with their love for each other but i thought they were going to kiss mm. in that timeline oh really but That's no they save it for the <laughs> very very end of the show i've always thought even back when just the first season was out i always thought that that exact moment was when uh, in the 1940s when crowley saves the books for aziraphale yep. was when aziraphale realized that he was in love with Crowley. And I definitely think that's exactly what they were doing. Exactly. I agree. I couldn't agree more. I think that Crowley knew before then. Oh, yeah. But I think that that's when Aziraphale knew. Because Crowley's always more in touch with his emotional Oh, yeah. I mean, he's the one who 
opened up, he had that amazing monologue, yeah. which I'm sure we're getting to. <laughs> oh my goodness. David Tennant. It feels just like Aziraphale is always the one who's more in denial, mm -hmm. especially like with the role that heaven plays in the world. And Crowley sees things so clearly. It's the reason that he questioned things in the first place, because heaven and hell, you know, what Good Omens always likes to say is that they're two sides of the same coin. They are. They're mm -hmm. all working towards the same goal. They are the upstairs and downstairs of the same building. That's what they <laughs> that's what they show in the season, in the first season and this one. Yes. They're the same. And they both suck. Yep. They are filled with incompetent idiots. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why nothing ever gets done. And they're they're not just incompetent idiots. They're they're willfully ignorant. They mm -hmm. don't want to change things. They don't want to ask questions. Nope. And Even the demons who ask questions and failed, they fall in line to hell. Yep. And it's become an institutional problem, mm -hmm. which is what season three has to talk I, about. Yeah, I absolutely think that and that's I, what's going to happen. And what you mentioned earlier, and it makes so much sense that season three, with Aziraphale being the supreme archangel and Crowley... I don't even know what he's going to do, but I want to see it. I don't know. I need to see yeah. it right now. <laughs> um, so basically, Aziraphale is really excited because the Metatron has told him that he wants him to be the new Supreme Archangel. And as the new Supreme Archangel, he can choose who he has around him. It's basically like, you're getting a big promotion and, and you can choose your team. We really want you. You can choose anyone, even your no good boyfriend who doesn't follow the rules. <laughs> um, and he says that he can uh, restore Crowley to being an angel, which I think the Metatron absolutely knew that Crowley was not going to do that first I don't even all. think Metatron would have let that happen yeah. if Aziraphale wanted it. Like, I think he was just messing well, or think, just playing with him. I think Aziraphale wanted it. I think, like I said, manipulation tactics. Mm -hmm. I think he was like, that's. I think that's the reason he reached out to Crowley first uh, when he first came in because he was like, I need to gain Aziraphale's trust. Who does Aziraphale trust? Crowley. He doesn't trust the angels. He trusts Crowley. Mm -hmm. They abandoned everything for each other. So... I need to get. I need to show Aziraphale that I value Crowley. You I are, am gonna tell Aziraphale that he can have Crowley if he wants. You are one hundred percent right. Yeah, <laughs> that makes so much sense to me. Yeah, and I think that Aziraphale. I think that Aziraphale is remembering the first, very first scene that we talked about when mm -hmm. Crowley was an angel and he was so happy. Yeah, he was excited. He was making it. all of these beautiful things mm -hmm. and he wants him to be happy, mm -hmm. of course. And he thinks that when he goes back to the bookshop and he tells Crowley the good news, he's so ready for them to start their new life together. He's so, he so thinks that Crowley, that this is what Crowley wants and mm -hmm. that this will be good for him. And... He comes back to the bookshop. Crowley is ready to tell Aziraphale how he feels about him. Mm -hmm. And uh, prompted by Nina and Maggie. Mm -hmm. And 
Aziraphale comes in and he's like, let me talk first. And I'm like, no, you idiot. No. Do not talk first. But of course he does. And um, I was worried that that meant that Crowley wouldn't get to have his thing to say. Me too. But Crowley still gets to say it. I thought he wasn't going to and want to. But no, he 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 does. Uh, He essentially interrupts Aziraphale after, like, in the middle of Aziraphale's big speech talking about, like, we're... We're both we're both gonna be angels. Yeah. You can work right at my side. He basically tells Aziraphale that he says, "Oh, so you told the Metatron where he could shove it, didn't you?" And yeah. and he's and like, he makes it very clear, "I absolutely don't want that." We um, both knew that this was coming. Yeah, but it I'm sure it broke you just as much as it broke me. Devastating. I couldn't even look at the TV screen as he said it. Like, I was just looking at the floor. David Tennant could barely even say. He was literally crying. Yeah. (laughs) It was so hard. I loved it, though. I love the angst. Oh, my goodness. Um, So, he basically, he admits his feelings for Xerophel. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, we've spent our entire existence pretending that we aren't together. That we aren't a couple basically a gr- he says a group of the two of us and i'm yes. like so a couple <laughs> <laughs> that's the most roundabout way of saying your partners <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> he tells him he says we don't need heaven we don't need hell they're toxic we just need us mm-hmm. and aziraphale at this point is he doesn't see heaven as toxic no, he still he thinks that it. they're the good guys. Mm-hmm. And he even says that you're the bad guys. Yeah, the he, good says, guys. he says, well, you wouldn't want to go back to hell. You're the bad guys, but we're good. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so consistent with his character. That's why I hate it so yeah. much. Like, it's perfect. But I'm like, God damn it. Can't you grow just a little bit of Zerophel? This was the right thing to do. This mm-hmm. was like the right narrative choice. And this leads to what I'm assuming is going to be a fantastic season yeah. three. But it's... Couldn't we have got a happy ending, it's though? It's so painful. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I... Uh, is there anything you want to say more about like yes. David Tennant's coming out speech? Because yes. I want to talk about the kiss. Yes, go ahead. Talk okay. about it. I mean, obviously, they they kiss and it's Crowley essentially forcing it. Well, I don't. I wouldn't say it's forcing it. I think it's. I mean, Aziraphale doesn't stop him. No, when they kiss, they've already decided. They've already made up their minds, mm-hmm. and. Crowley has already, he's put his glasses back on. That's what, yeah. that was the first time that he put his glasses on inside the bookshop the whole season. I don't know if you noticed that. Oh, I noticed yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> but. I didn't pick up on a lot, but I picked up yeah, on that. Yeah. That was masterful. Exactly. It was so good. And he's like, I'm closing myself off now. Mm. And he goes, Aziraphale has decided to go to heaven at this point. He wants Crowley, he wants Crowley to go with him, but he won't. And Crowley it's never going back to heaven. No. So he starts to leave. And then he says, do you hear that? There's no nightingale. <laughs> and that's that broke me. Mm-hmm. I was like, because the first season ends with the two of them dining at the Ritz, listening to the song, not listening to the song, but the song plays. Um, and it's a nightingale sang in Barclay Square. And it, that song is about two angels falling in love. Mm-hmm. And and then he goes, no, Nightingale. And I'm like, 
You bastard. You didn't have to How did you even know that? that? Like, that's so meta and crazy, and I hate you. Yeah. <laughs> and I hate Neil Gaiman. No, I don't. I love him. No, but yeah, it's he's great, difficult. but also, why did he do this why? to us? Why? <laughs> um, and right. so then when they kiss, it is so clearly, like, it's not romantic. It's not a happy you know, we're finally kissing after millions of years of pretending we don't have feelings for each other. It is very clearly a desperate attempt to get Aziravelle to stay. Yep. And it is... And it doesn't work. It's so sad. <laughs> and I, they're both, like, crying. Because, <laughs> yeah, David Tennant or Crowley finally lets go of Aziraphale's face and Aziraphale says the words that I will remember forever. I forgive you. I wanted to hit him. Oh my god! I wanted god. to hit him. I almost hit my TV. Yeah, I, I think I like out loud said, "What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing?" Uh, I mean, so in line with his character, yeah, like no, you said perfect. before. It's but perfect. God damn it! And then Crowley says, "Don't bother," and he and he leaves. Oh. And then the Metatron comes. <laughs> And takes Aziraphale to heaven and mm. they go outside and Crowley is waiting out there. He's standing by the Bentley, their car, mm -hmm. <laughs> and he's standing there and he's waiting. He's just, because Aziraphale always makes the right decision, even if it's at the last second. Yep. And he's just waiting for Aziraphale to make the right decision. And you could almost see it, like David Tennant was acting angry, mm -hmm. but in somewhere because he had sunglasses on but mm -hmm. i'm still thinking somewhere in his eyes you could see he was like maybe yeah. maybe if i wait just no, one more second he's, he's so upset but he's yeah. hoping yeah that he won't go oh. and is does not make the right decision e even after metatron gives him the information that yeah we're gonna d destroy the world at least we're gonna do that again the second coming and after Aziraphale hears that and he sees the elevator doors open, and he has the choice of stepping through or walking over to Crowley, he still decides to go to heaven. I think it's really hard, though. I think it's because, obviously, we're all mad at Aziraphale. Yes. But Aziraphale truly believes that he is doing the right thing. He mm -hmm. truly believes that he can change heaven for the better. He does see that heaven is flawed, but he still thinks it is the good side. And he truly thinks that he, if he is in charge, that he can fix it. And it is such a good allegory if, for politics it, and the yeah. world and the way that our society is. And um, again, it's super well written. But if I wasn't so invested in their romance mm -hmm. and I wanted to see the happy ending, mm -hmm. I would be so satisfied with this masterful ending. But I wanted to see him happy. Yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> and now we're probably going to see Aziraphale as some sort of antagonistic force next season because that's the way that i'm gonna see it i don't know i genuinely don't know i think this show works the best when they're together mm -hmm. and when they play off each other so i can't imagine they keep them apart for too long but they also have to yeah. because of this at ending. least like for the first three episodes yeah. and i guess that will play well into how this show kind of works because i forgot to mention but for both season one and two, I kind of had a hard time connecting or just getting grabbed by the show. I can't remember the exact point for season one, but I do remember it took at least two or three episodes. For season two, it was when Jim first 
opened his eyes again and they were purple yeah. and he kind of spoke in that voice, I was like, okay, I'm into it. Yeah. We're, we're doing this. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like even season three might do that where they're separate, they're doing their own thing and we're kind of learning about the new status quo and then as it starts to fall apart that's when the show grabs you back yeah, in again I, I could definitely see that being the case me too definitely so that was the plot of good omens yeah. season two i'm not crying um <laughs> i'm not crying you're crying no i'm not crying you're crying it was so good um but now i want to talk a little bit about a theory that yes. I've seen floating around. Let's get into this theory because yes. I have no idea what this you is. You don't. I've kept it from you. So basically there there's two there's two very popular theories, but one of them is more boring. So I mentioned briefly that there's an idea that angels change their name when they fall. Mm -hmm. And that got people thinking, "Oh, what was Crowley's name? What did his name used to be? And surely that has fell. to be important. Before, the way that they're hiding exactly, that information before he sauntered vaguely downwards. <laughs> he hung out with the wrong crowd. <laughs> hung out with the wrong crowd. Um, and there's two theories on this. Okay. One is that he used to be the angel Raphael. Which sure, there was there's an angel in the Bible, Raphael. He's like powerful, whatever. He's an angel. I don't know much about him. Um, I but just he know was. That that's one of the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> I know that he was on the same level as like Gabriel and Uriel okay. and so powerful. Uh, Michael. Yeah. Mm, so he's which... up there with them. He's not with Aziraphale because they mention that Aziraphale is a principality. So I'm going to explain to you very quickly the uh, explanation of the hierarchy of angels, which is not in the Bible. This is from... Uh, I don't remember, <laughs> but it, I know it's not from the it's Bible. It's from a source. I think it's from like Virgil or or like Paradise Lost or like some okay. some fanfic of the yeah. Bible. Some renowned. That's what literature. all of those are, by the yeah. way. Okay, the Nine Circles of Hell. That's fan fiction. Yep. That is not in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Not that the Bible is the end all be all, because whoa, it's not. <laughs> but. <laughs> The, all of that other stuff that you know is not actually in the yeah. Bible. <laughs> I mean, just like to reiterate, it's renowned literature, but yeah. it's renowned fanfic literature. It is. It's fan it fiction. It's Bible fan fiction. And as is this, but this is widely, you know, considered to be how angels work. So mm. there are angels. Then there are the lowest is the angels. And then there are archangels, second lowest. Then there are principalities. And that is one triad. Then the triad above that is powers, virtues, dominions. That's the second. And then the highest triad of angels is thrones, cherub, cherubim, cherubim. <laughs> I can't read that. <laughs> cherub, cherubim, cherubim. <laughs> I don't know. Or seraphim, <laughs> and seraphim is the the highest level of hmm. angel now um in good omens archangels are the archangel that is in the hierarchy of angel neil gaiman has said this on tumblr as a response to somebody's question that archangels lowercase a are within the hierarchy are the second lowest class of angels but archangels capital a 
is the highest form of angel like as gabriel is the supreme archangel so he's not necessarily following exactly this hierarchy mm -hmm. however it is stated that aziraphale is a principality which is the highest level of the lowest triad of yep. angels now when crowley and muriel get to heaven to find out why gabriel has gone missing in the first place um muriel puts the file with Gabriel's uh, trial down on the table and says, I can't open that even if I wanted to. Only a dominion or higher can open that. Dominion is the highest level of the second triad of angels. So everything higher than that is dominions, thrones, thrones, <laughs> cherubim, and seraphim. Okay. Um. Crowley is able to open that file with so ease. So he would have to be one of So those. he would have to be higher than Dominion. So he mm. was a very, he's way more important than Aziraphale ever was yes. in heaven. By heaven's terms. Obviously Aziraphale is important. <laughs> but um, in the hierarchy of angels, he was way higher than Aziraphale ever was. And he was up there with Gabriel, Michael, Uriel. Which would certainly make sense because Crowley, or whatever his name was at the time, was in charge of birthing the universe. Yeah, he created the universe. Only someone with immense power and mm -hmm. responsibility would be in charge of that. Yes. So one theory is that to complete, you know, the, um, the angels that are mentioned in the Bible, Gabriel, Michael, Uriel, and Raphael. So the theory is that he would be Raphael. But... There's another theory, which I prefer. Okay. And is that Crowley's name used to be Lucifer. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lucifer means light bringer. Yep. And Crowley is first seen in this season. He, as he's creating the universe, he says, let there be light. Mm -hmm. And he creates he is the light every star in the universe. Neil Gaiman really <laughs> likes to write about Lucifer Morningstar. Yeah. I could and we haven't seen Lucifer in this show yet. No, I don't think I don't I, think this is a crossover show. I don't no, think no. that's gonna happen. It couldn't happen because Sandman exists within the DC universe. Yeah. But I'm saying Neil Gaiman really likes that to bring Lucifer in. I could see that happening. Right? Yeah, you had already convinced me of the previous theory. I'm now convinced that he's Lucifer. I have more proof. I got this from, I'm not reading it off of anywhere. I'm just reading mm. the hierarchy of angels because there's no way I could have memorized that. Um, I got this theory off someone on TikTok. I don't remember who it was. I'm really sorry. I would shout you out if I did remember. Um, but it's not my theory. I didn't come up with it. <laughs> the idea is that Crowley worked very closely with God as that's canon mm -hmm. Crowley worked very closely with god creating the universe mm -hmm. and he even says when he mentioned when jim asks in the season uh what what's why is things falling and he's <laughs> like oh that's gravity uh it seemed like a good idea when we thought about it yeah <laughs> it's like okay so he was with god when they created gravity so mm -hmm. like that's important <laughs> um and crowley like i said created the heavens which mm -hmm. is the the biblical name for space yeah. <laughs> and the galaxies and the universe he created the big bang um and then he starts asking questions and 
Crowley is not a combative person. No. He doesn't like killing or fighting or hurting people, but he is very curious. Now, in the Bible, it's never actually stated that Lucifer is Satan. Lucifer and Satan are always different people in the actual Bible. It is stated that Lucifer was an angel who questioned God's authority and fell to hell. But it didn't say that he created hell, and it didn't say that he's the ruler of hell. The only person who said that was uh, in Paradise Lost to, in order to humanize Satan, they gave him the name Lucifer mm -hmm. um, to humanize his fall. Now, Neil Gaiman doesn't need to follow any other person's fan fiction. He's no. creating his own fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's that. Then there's also the fact that in the Bible, it says that Satan tempts Adam and Eve with the apple. Satan turns into a snake and tempts Adam and Eve, or tempts Eve with the apple from the tree of knowledge. Uh, in Good Omens, Crowley does that. I was just going to mention, <laughs> I'm trying to imagine Adam and Eve in that beginning of that episode. Mm -hmm. It was Crowley the snake. Was if he was, then that confirms the it theory to me. It was Crowley the snake. Also, in the Bible, it says that um, Satan... Um, shows Jesus all the wonders of the world to tempt him uh, away from the righteous path. Um, in Good Omens, Crowley does that. When they're crucifying Jesus, he says, I showed him all the wonders of the world. Mm -hmm. And I always saw that as, you know, Crowley doing Satan's bidding or just like mm -hmm. it, it's paperwork that yeah. Crowley is, you know, completing. But it makes so much more sense and it puts it into so much more context if... There is no middleman mm -hmm. if he's oh, no. just doing it. I mean, it. there's definitely a Satan because Have he's in seen... season one. Yeah, he's played by Benedict Satan? Cumberbatch and he confronts Adam. I don't even remember son. that. Yeah, you should rewatch it. Oh my goodness, what? <laughs> yeah. Well, he comes up from the ground and he's like huge and like ugly you know Satan. What? And he's I'm... like, where's my son? I'm picturing that like some some spotty CG. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, But... Like I said, in the Bible, it never says that Lucifer and Satan are the same person. Mm. Now, I was just saying that, um, you know, it says in the Bible that Satan tempts Adam and Eve and mm. Satan shows Jesus the wonders of the world. So, but you know, that could that just be a mistranslation. Could be, could be. But that could also be, you know, like difference. But mm -hmm. if Neil Gaiman is making up his own canon, like yeah. who's to say that it's not Lucifer who does he, that? He could do whatever he wants. And Satan is different. Yeah. And I mean, as you were explaining it before, it made more than enough sense to me. Mm -hmm. So they could definitely make that yeah. part of the narrative. And the other thing, like there's there's two of there's like also two schools of thought on this, whether Aziraphale knows or not. Because um Crowley did not introduce his name to Aziraphale when he was an angel and did when he is a demon. He says, I'm Crowley. Um, or he says Crawley because his name used to be Crawley because he was a snake. <laughs> um, which is hilarious. Um, yeah, I'm kind of sold on this theory. Yeah, I don't know. I'm more than sold. It's like kind of crazy, but I kind of like it. It's the exact kind of fan theory where the more I think about it, the more I expect them to do it. Yeah. 
that's dangerous. But yeah. that's what I did with the with the Zirfel and Crowley getting together, and look how mm. that turned yeah. out. Well, and, they didn't get together, but and Neil Gaiman talking has, about their feelings. Neil Gaiman has already proven that he listens to the fans. Yeah. and he will do what they want. Mm -hmm. Of course, in a fantastically made narrative. Yeah, but he will listen. I think you know. I think that school of thought that thinks that Crowley is called used to be Raphael mm -hmm. is also very interesting. Mm -hmm. But I but, feel like the Lucifer one just, like, has so much more fuel. I find it so interesting. And, I mean, there was even my reading of it where I had no idea about either of these theories. And I still knew that there was some mystery behind Crowley and his origin. Yeah. Because they had to get into you it. And they Yeah, they left that information out on purpose. Mm -hmm. So it's very obviously a mystery that yeah. we're supposed to solve exactly that's why i mean that's why people are theorizing in the first place and i think mm -hmm. that is definitely on purpose oh yeah breadcrumbs left and for hopefully fans. we'll find um you know the answer in season three yeah. if we and get one hopefully hopefully we don't have to wait what is it four years it was it was six years altogether i oh. think but um you know they Neil Gaiman says that if there wasn't a strike right now, he would have already written it. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, anyone out there listening who wants a season three of Good Omens, watch it, rewatch it, show yeah. Amazon Prime that there's a market for it. Keep watching it. Show show, show everyone that, that we want that it's profitable because I want to see it. Yeah, Just I really do that need for to me. see it. <laughs> and I mean, Neil Gaiman, just incredible writer. Obviously, same thing with um, Beyond the Spider-Verse. Take your time with it. Mm -hmm. I, I, I really need to see it right now, but also I will wait yeah. for the best possible product. Exactly. Like, and, I don't want to rush you, yeah. artist. <laughs> and I should say, a lot of the CG in this show, season one and season two, is a bit spotty. And sometimes it looks weird or off. And it just reminded me of Barbie in that it all worked to this quirky aesthetic. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a moment that I saw bad CG and I thought, ooh, that looks bad. Yeah. It all worked. I think Good Omens has very clear aesthetic that mm -hmm. it sticks to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the lack of certain elements works in its favor. <laughs> mm -hmm. And even... Like the the Terry Pratchett isms and the quirkiness, I was worried there wouldn't be any, but it's still there in season two. Definitely, and it is great. Mm -hmm. So with that, I suppose we should go over to the consumption corner where we're just starved for media. We are starved. Num num num. <laughs> so Sasha, what have you been consuming lately? <laughs> you say consuming so much. Consumption. It's killing me. Consumption. I'm dying of consumption. Um, I have been watching Good Omens se uh, season two, obviously, but, um, re watching and rewatching, but mm -hmm. I've also been watching Heartstopper season two. Um, so cute. So cute. Oh my goodness. So Wholesome cute. and cute. Sometimes a little sickeningly sweet, <laughs> but in a good way. That show will give you diabetes. It will. <laughs> It'll make you want say, I want some celery. Jesus. <laughs> Um, in a good way. Yes. Um, and I've been, oh, oh, um, the new movie just came out, Red, White, and Royal Blue on Amazon Prime. Now, that is based on one of my favorite books. 
it is absolutely completely ridiculous <laughs> romance you know one of those like hallmark romance books but right. kind of steamy but um, sometimes every once in a while you gotta watch it every romance. once in a while you gotta you gotta read that kind of thing now mm -hmm. the movie i haven't i actually i haven't not seen it i saw a screener of it before it was ready and i never uh and i i was okay with it yeah. i didn't love it and i didn't hate it I was okay with it. And so I haven't watched the movie. Now, it just came out a few days ago on Amazon Prime. And I was going to watch it the second it came out. But we have had a very busy weekend. Um, and so I am... Uh, I haven't seen it yet. But I'm planning to watch it tonight. Or on the plane tomorrow. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to fly home. <laughs> I got to fly home tomorrow. Um, so... I'm looking forward to consuming that. Um, I've still been reading uh, American Gods. I haven't got very far. I'm not going to lie. Such a great book. It is a great book, but I haven't got very far. <laughs> I, uh, it's not what I'm consuming today, but I will mention that I've been reading Dune and it's going to take me like a year. Mm -hmm. like, it took me, what, two years to read it. And it's probably going to take me longer to read Dune because Dune... Dune it's a it's a great read, but it's a tough read. It's a hard book to read. I gave up. I read like <laughs> half of it. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. Anything else you're consuming? Well, I was going to bring a comic book that I've uh, been rereading recently. It's great. If you haven't heard of it, Spider-Man Life Story by Chip Zdarsky. Definitely go look at it, look for it. But instead, I'm going to bring a comic book that I love. One of the greatest comic books that I've yeah, I, I was about to say one of the greatest that I've read, but there, there's a lot of those on that list. It's a comic book that my dad actually gave to me, and it is The Sandman, which, if you haven't read, is now a TV show. I love Sandman. <laughs> and, yeah, it's it's fantastic. It is one of, like, the four comics that I've actually read, <laughs> and I love it. It's, it's so good. It's dark and moody and emo, and it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Highly recommend it. Also, you could just go watch the show. Yes. And then once you're connected to the characters and you have to read more, then go read the comic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a good idea. Um, to close it out, I think, you know, we are planning to watch Guardians of the Galaxy 3 tonight. Mm -hmm. With just some more family. With some family who hasn't seen it yet. Um, just because we're absolute yeah. nerds. We want to also <laughs> break their hearts. Yeah. So We want to see them cry. <laughs> So, yeah, we're going to show them Guardians 3. Exactly. And with that, this has been a seamstress podcast, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs>